0: There's mummies and dummies and ghosts that bark, there's goblins
1: and ghoulies that wait in the dark, if you wish to wet your pants with fright, listen to Gatsy on Goosebumps tonight! I'm gonna come. Boo, my dudes, and welcome Rise, back Ghost to Gatsy on Goosebumps, the only show in which I read and review every single Goosebumps book from R.L. Stein's original series. This is Not That, uh, because I'm being joined today by a very special guest. He is a purveyor of fine comedy, and his name is David M. Green. David, thank you for coming on the show.
0: Hey, Alex. uh, Very nice to be here. Uh, Thank you very much for inviting
1: me. Not a problem at all, David. Um, Now, I'm familiar with your work, but for those listening that aren't, tell us who you are and tell us what you do.
0: Well, uh I was born in Adelaide in 1987 and um how much time have we got here on this uh
1: <laughs> I guess uh, uh let's hit the, the the high points
0: all right well uh when I was one um I learned to walk and um okay uh so I'm a comedian comedy writer performer I've worked on some radio shows and some TV shows most recently mad as hell uh, mm. on ABC TV the writer and I uh, got to work with my hero Sean McAuliffe for eight years so that was a career highlight so it's all downhill from from here now uh aside from this podcast which is a slight uh plateauing
1: I was um, I, I was gonna say hopefully you consider this a a Minor uptick on the uh, on the graph of your life. Downhill from now. <laughs> from now. Uh, so, yeah, as soon as, as, soon as I stop recording. <laughs> David, what was your experience with R.L. Stein's Goosebumps, either, you know, the book series or the television series? I don't think you'll be offended by me saying, I think you're a few years older than me. So, I think that puts you right in the prime of sort of Goosebumps pop culture saturation. Uh, were you for, uh, a series you were familiar with growing up?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I actually brought, I brought all my goosebumps here. I've got about eight of them and I remember my first experience I had with it. I was in year three in 1995 and there was a couple of kids who just at the same time seemed to be reading ghost beach. Great cover um, on that one. Yes. With the, uh, the ghost, with the grave and no swimming, no surfing, no haunting.
1: glad they specified. Um,
0: and, uh, yeah. So I saw other people reading that and then it just coincidentally, I don't think I asked for it, but I think it was my uncle. My uncle Richard gave it to me as a birthday present. So that was my first, my first goosebumps ghost
1: beach. Oh, so um, you got ghost beach. That was the one everyone's reading. And you got that one as well.
0: Yeah. So I think that, that just must've been the, the latest one that was yep. out or that was, that got to Australia. And yeah, I read, I read that. And I, I can't really remember what happened in the book because I've, You know i wouldn't have read it since the time but something that does stick in my mind was um at some point there's a passage which describes the main character zigzagging in between the gravestones Mm -hmm. and i just i just thought the word zigzagging was really cool i don't think i'd come across that before and then i because i read it in that book i wrote some short creative writing thing for for school and i used (laughs) the word zigzagging made a point of putting that in there as well
1: and felt pretty Uh, proud of yourself when you put that one down
0: yeah Sounded very sophisticated.
1: Were you scared by them?
0: I think I did get a bit scared. So I'll go through the ones I've got. Please. I, like one Chris, Christmas, one year, I got like four. My mum or well, mum and dad gave me like four of them, and they were like sequentially numbered. So some of them here, I've got um, Ghost Beach, done that. That was definitely the first one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Then I've got five, six, and seven. So that's The Curse of the Mummy's Tomb, Let's, Let's get, get Invisible. invisible.
1: And, and don't tell me, don't tell me. Number seven, would that be? Is it is seven, nine of the living dummy? Yes, it is. Well done. Yeah, thank you. You don't, you you don't get to host Gatsy on Goosebumps without knowing, <laughs> without knowing the, uh, the numbers. So you got you got all those at the same time.
0: Got yeah. Got and uh, number eight as well, the girl who cried monster. So I got all four of those like on maybe must have been Christmas '96 maybe. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I was reading those, and I. I don't think I read all of and I had to stop at some point because it was kind of giving me nightmares. I used to be afraid of the dark. Yeah. After I saw Jurassic Park when I was about seven years old. Oh really? Um, for a long time, I was afraid of the dark. I didn't like going
1: into rooms by myself at night. Um, wow, from dinosaurs. I mean, yeah, I understand it was when a scary the... <laughs> film, but um, I mean, they they can't hide in the house, you know.
0: Oh no, I imagine the velociraptors would be, uh, you know, because they're yeah. little and compact. Um, yeah. So what else have I got? I've got. Uh, uh, number 35, A Shocker on Shock Street. Yep. I remember reading that all the way through. I like that one. Uh, this was probably my favorite. And at 28, The Cuckoo Clock of Doom. And I, I remember, remember that. the TV series episode about that one as well. So that was a really good, memorable one.
1: Yeah, it did. So you you watched that. Because, I mean, cause, I, mean I, I wouldn't be able to tell you when it aired in Australia you know, on TV. Maybe you remembered.
0: It feels like the sort of thing that would have been on either in the evenings on a weekday or like maybe during the day, during like school holidays. Mm -hmm. That was like uh, R.L. Stein actually was in the show, like he introduced or like he uh, did a little thing at the end of the episode, I think, from memory.
1: Yeah, that's right. There were a few, not for everyone, but sort of um, if it was like a two-parter, like a a season premiere, they'd get him it was usually sort of a, a marker of a probably a higher quality episode if you had him at the start introducing and, and and closing it didn't do it for a lot of them but it was it was it was a sign you were well you were in for a scare as as the tagline went uh, so you, you you did watch quite a few of those i imagine
0: yeah i think the only one i can really remember is the cuckoo clock of doom and maybe the the night of the living dummy i think i remember that one where they like or possibly the night of the living dummy 2 where they mm-hmm. like Because he's cracked at the end of the first one and they like glue his head back together,
1: right? You're right, yeah, because they didn't adapt Night of Living Dummy, the original, but they adapted Night of Living Dummy 2 and they adapted Night of Living Dummy 3. But it's, I'm glad you brought this up, David, because it gives me a chance to sort of vent about this. At the end of Not A Living Dummy 2, uh, Slappy the Dummy, his head is completely obliterated. You know, it's sort of smashed entirely. And then the start of Not A Living Dummy 3, it's just sort of got like a, a minor crack there. And I uh, sure hope someone got fired for that blunder. But no, that was like, for for, <laughs> for, for for Jurassic Park, for you, those episodes in particular were like, that was the same for me. I was like, oh, there's a dummy in the house with, you know, at the moment. So I totally relate yeah. to the, uh, the Velociraptor panic, but it sounds like uh, you were a, you know, a typical '90s kid in that was something. It was a, a series you were you were you enjoyed.
0: Oh yeah, and there was one more if I can please tell you about. Uh, but it's a special one. It, it says number two, but it's one of the choose your own adventure ones. Uh,
1: TikTok yes. your
0: debt. I've yes. already given it away. No, that's Sorry. all right. I, I wasn't going to get it. And actually, I reread it yesterday because. I seem to remember that mine had a fault in it. Oh, because I remember I remember reading it as a kid, and I I got to some point because it's like you know, ah, oh, uh, do you want to enter the throne room? Turn yep. to page eighty three, or step into the lair on page fifty seven. It was you know, it was that sort of option, except there was no page number for one of the options. So I like. Oh. Couldn't. But I've reread it, and I've I've read every possible choice and and every possible ending, and it's it's airtight. So I don't know
1: and that's the what same the book it's not just a different yeah. book well that no, is well, that's a I, mystery
0: but if i don't find it it was like you know turn to page and then like the word page was like right at the edge of the line and the actual number that came after it was on the next line like way yeah. over on the other side on the left and i think i must have been too stupid to realize that the number was oh. on the next line Sorry. on page 33 it's like uh, do you pull the bird out and put it back three times Oh, this is funny because it's um, it's actually referencing the Cuckoo Clock of Doom. So Which you, is awesome. Cross-promoters books. So do you pull the bird out and put it back three times to, to go back in time? If so, turn to page 60, or do you twist its head around, turn to page, and then there's nothing unless you go to the next line, page 82? So.
1: Which was beyond your comprehension when you first read it.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe my thumb was covering the number <laughs> yeah it was a sign to put there's the book absolutely down nothing wrong with it yeah I thought I was I, I thought this was going to be a real scoop here that mine had a defect and it's worth something but no it's uh it
1: I was the, the thumb it is a big coincidence got... I guess they're sort of the two ones you remember and they well one happens to reference the other you know out of the dozens and dozens of books there there's a there's a you know reference to to them um within the same one pretty big coincidence right
0: yeah I mean, what are the odds on that and um I've got a couple other books here that I brought along. They're not Goosebumps, but uh, someone gave them to me for a birthday present probably Mm -hmm. when I was about 10. Well, it's like a knockoff version of Goosebumps called Shadow Zone.
1: Never Uh, heard of it. I don't think.
0: Shadow Zone by J.R. Black. So he's even done an R.L. Stein thing. (laughs) So I've got two. There's one called Alien Under My Bed and another one called Skeleton in, in My Closet. And I remember Skeleton in My Closet was good, but I don't, don't really remember the other one. Possibly I didn't read the other one, but
1: you yes. could tell even That's then my- this this wasn't this wasn't Stein quality. This was like this was reject shop, R.L. Stein.
0: Yeah, it's uh it's oldie
1: Is is that a general thing for you? You've kept everything from like from like your childhood because I imagine you probably weren't saying I'll keep these just in case someone with a Goosebumps podcast comes to like ask me about them. You've got a lot of your stuff from from that time.
0: Yeah, I, I got I got quite a lot of stuff. I do find it particularly hard to throw away books i got lots of other books that aren't goosebumps. It does take up quite a lot of space. Um, right now, uh, we, we moved house last year and we still haven't unpacked. So all of the books are in boxes and that does take up a lot of space. When they're in a bookshelf, they don't actually take up that much space.
1: Oh, but, uh, you'll tell, like I moved recently yeah. and it really does. You get amazed at how, how many books you have and also how unreasonably heavy they are to, to to carry up those steps so i definitely understand what you're talking about there
0: it's a real art form putting books in boxes for storage because you can fill up the box with mm. books but then it's way too heavy to move so you need to put some big ones in there but then also some some little light ones like the goosebumps to sort of fill out the top part and then maybe some dvd cases as well just on
1: top and maybe, like, you don't want to have to, but you'll sort of put the books that mean less to you sort of as, like, the top layer to absorb some of, like, the weight of the other ones. It's like if some books have yeah. to get damaged, I, I'd rather it be – was it Shadow Zone? Is that is that what it was called?
0: Shadow Zone. Yeah, I think that was, top, that was like the crumple
1: zone. That <laughs> yeah. was. Um, I'll be looking up Shadow Zone after this. Don't worry. Um. So, I mean, let's make it official. Uh, David, what's your review of, uh, of TikTok You're Dead?
0: it's got a really sparkly cover mm. got that 90s kind of silver glittery cover which is mm. cool and it's got a uh what looks like a, a big clock with an angry face on it and um the main character uh he's holding on to one of the the hands like uh harold lloyd in that silent movie safety
1: last but, yeah it's an odd reference to include in a goosebumps cover but you know i appreciate it
0: but um yeah also it's a scene that doesn't actually take place in the book it's got nothing to do with a big clock that's angry and he um, travels through time using this little little like a watch which is sort of like the one in Harry Potter the, the one that the time turner yeah this one's called a
1: chronometer
0: and it's, it's a fun book you know he goes into the future uh, he goes into the past
1: did you, did you follow it through to an ending did you get an ending on yours uh, I got all the endings there are about 20 endings
0: oh wow I, I okay read, I read every possibility so I could <laughs> make sure that it worked there's only one ending where he gets back to the present in that one, because he he's at the Museum of Natural History in New York, yep. and uh, he wanders into some room where there's like some mad scientist, and he's doing like a time experiment. Got, oh, like, and I think because
1: I think we we were, I reviewed this a couple of years ago with a friend of mine. His his little brother goes back in time or forward in time. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, his brother runs through the portal just before him without the chronometer around his neck, so he's lost in time. So his the main character g- goes through to try and find uh, his little brother Denny. Yeah, like I, I remember as a kid as well reading it. I think my favorite ending was when he, he went to the future and like five hundred years in the future and robots are you know, control everything and humans are like prisoners and uh he ends up in a zoo and the robots are like uh, you know, robot children are visiting the zoo and they're, like, feeding him candy bars through a force field. I thought that was a kind of fun. Most of, the, most of the endings, he ends up dying. Yeah, I think uh, quite a gets-
1: lot of them are quite challenging to actually get a positive ending on them. Like, I think yeah. that's maybe meant to inspire you to, like, go back and and, and read it again so you, you can change your method. You didn't find yourself, like, putting your thumb over, like, something and then then turning the page and then checking if it was a bad ending and then, like, flipping back?
0: Uh, (laughs) I had a system (laughs) I initially was using my fingers but then because I'm like okay I'll I'll make this decision here but when this leads to an ending I'll go back and I'll try the other the Mm. other option and you know sometimes you'd go immediately to the next page and it's you know it's got the word end at the bottom of the page okay so you die in this in this one so you can just go back again but then got to the point where it's like you know, you have two options, and you go to the next page, and then that page also has two options. So you need to save that page. Mm. And I was getting to the point where I was trying to save like five or six <laughs> pages using all my fingers, and I just went, "Why don't I just use some pieces of paper?" So yeah, I used bookmarks, and uh, some of them ended up. You end up looping back into other stories. Like there are actually multiple paths to get to some of the, the stories, same so destination.
1: Up, yeah, they sort of cross. Yeah, yeah you can. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, they're well-written like that. Um,
0: but yeah, most most of the endings you end up being killed by some sort of monster or animal uh, there's one where he, he gets pushed out an airlock and he explodes uh gets eaten by a dinosaur there's one where he ends up as a college professor teaching a bunch of robots and that's the ending
1: oh wow that's no i wouldn't uh, say it's necessarily a negative ending
0: no that, I mean at least he's alive yeah um, that's the one that makes the least sense was mm. he just he press he presses the button on his chronometer to get out of this sticky situation and then he ends up like Oh, I'm the king of this medieval kingdom, which doesn't really make any sense at all. He, he didn't travel in time; then he just became the king. Of this. Right. So was, yeah. I right. Harald Stein kind of phoned that one in.
1: Oh, uh, look! When you've got to do, yeah, come out with that a, many that was, endings, and you've got, you got to produce that, four, that many books a month on a Friday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look—it sounds like you were very, very thorough with it. Do you remember? Do you, did you prefer the straight-up stories or those ones where you got to choose your own? I think that the choosing was a bit of a novelty, but I think
0: that just the straight up story was my preference. Yeah. Mm.
1: Interesting. Again, that the t- out of all the Goosebumps books, the two that you've sort of remember both feature time travel. I don't know what conclusions ah, we well, can draw I, from it.
0: That's a good point. Yeah. Well, I, I am a big fan of time travel. Yeah. A- another thing that happened in 1995 that I remember was that that was when I first saw Back to the Future Part Three. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, I, I saw them completely out of order. I saw three, two, one. 2, um, Yeah, I loved it. I, loved it. Um, I mean... It, it's because Channel 10 Channel Ten had the rights to Part 2 and 3. Mm-hmm. Channel 7 had the rights to the original one back in the 90s anyway, and they hardly ever played it.
1: It wasn't to simulate time travel <laughs> by watching them in, in reverse chronological order. It was just an accident.
0: No, it was just uh, uh, distribution rights was the culprit.
1: <laughs> the real the villain all character. along yeah absolutely now David what I actually want to talk to you about well I suppose it was goosebumps as well your new well uh, well no it's not a new series I only became aware of VHS review a few years ago but it I was it was you know on your YouTube channel it's got a long history can you explain to us what VHS review is and how it started
0: sure well hey you've been watching it for years that's that's good that's a good sign <laughs>
1: um
0: yes I've been doing it on and off for for years um mm. it's the concept is I, t- I look at a, a videotape that someone's used to record TV. Um, you know, Do you remember, did you have you even used one of those? Are you even old enough to, to know what a VHS tape is and a VCR? I am,
1: but um, yeah, not well, not for many years.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I taped a lot of stuff back in the late 90s and early 2000s. That was the only way to get a recording of a show and watch it later when it wasn't you know being broadcast so what i do is I, I go through these thousands millions of these tapes everywhere with all sorts of stuff saved on it they're just sitting around in garages and i had some my parents had some in the cupboard some other relatives and friends and over the years I you know i found, found them in the street on hard rubbish day mm. um got them from all sorts of places so i go through the tape and i cut together the funniest and weirdest things that are on the tape mostly TV commercials, because that's where the the weird stuff is. Sometimes if it's a movie that's interesting, I might sort of do a bit of a review of the movie as well or show a strange clip. But it's most of the time I don't even watch what the actual program is. I just skip to the ad breaks.
1: Which is so interesting, you know, that we've now gotten to the point where, you know, previously, if you were going to tape something off the TV, it, it would be great if you could, you know, time it so you could actually skip the ads. But now there are people who will upload and I'll watch them like compilations of just advertisements from like a certain year on a certain channel. You know, the, the movies themselves, they've all got DVD, Blu-ray, digital releases, but there's not the same preservation with the, the commercials that come with it. Is is there a sense of, you know, making sure this stuff is preserved or in one way or Another
0: with you? Yeah, well, that's ironic, isn't it? That it's, you know, the ads are the interesting things now. I guess if you want, if you want to watch the movie, you can get it many mm. different ways. But if you want to watch a, an ad for Mr. Bankrupt from the early 2000s, <laughs> the only way you're going to get it is if it's on a videotape that maybe someone's put on YouTube. Yeah. And th- there are some that I'm looking for that I remember that I haven't found. I'm on the lookout for them. But I mean, I, uh, yeah, plenty of people just upload full ad breaks to to YouTube or to the Internet Archive. I guess I'm preserving it, sort of, but it's also I do it because if I can think of a joke about the ad, that's really what gets it into my show.
1: It is something that that would otherwise be you know just just forgotten about like unintentionally or not there's a lot of comedy in there a lot of funny things that would not be preserved i totally i I guess i sympathize with the desire to sort of look over these things and comment on them in one way or another it's such an integral part of you know growing up watching television what were these commercials that were so annoying at the time because there wasn't what you wanted to watch but now you know that, that formed a part of the experience i guess
0: yeah i mean plenty of these ads I wouldn't have seen it for twenty five years, and I can instantly remember the the jingle, the phone number, the address, all of those things. It's in your brain, and seeing it just unlocks it. And a lot of people comment on because I got a TikTok channel as well where I post individual clips, and a lot of people go, "Oh, yeah, memory unlocked. Yeah, I remember this." And yeah, I mean, I uh, I guess I preserve a little bit, but I mean, there are some people on online who like they have huge archives worth of content who you know do it sort of properly. Sure. Um, not tainting I'm it, it with with bad. funny
1: little comments.
0: Well, I mean, some some people put their own watermark over the over the clip which I oh, find come annoying. I don't do that, but it does the clips do have a joke of me at the end. But you can cut that out if you wanted to.
1: <laughs> if you really wanted to. No, I t- I, I mean look, uh, the fact that I, I find the show so appealing does mean suggest there is something I guess I know, uh, appealing about going back and watching these things that, that would otherwise just be lost to time. I mean, you're not going to get any judgment from me, David, but when you tell people, oh, I have a show where I look, look, look at old advertisements taped off the TV, do you get a few, like, raised eyebrows? And, like, why are you wasting your time with that?
0: Uh, only from my parents. No, that's not true. <laughs> um, my my mum's very supportive. She lets me shoot my pieces the camera in her lounge room. Actually, mo- most people go, oh, that's, a, that's an interesting idea. Like, most yeah. people are intrigued by it. I think if any anyone who doesn't like it probably wouldn't like me anyway as a
1: person, so
0: Paris why waste your time with people like that?
1: Yeah. I mean, you, you, you talked about how McAuliffe, is, is Sean McAuliffe, was like a comedic idol of yours. I don't think you'll be too offended to, for me to say there's, you know, a bit of McAuliffe in your performances in, in VHS Review. When you were writing for Mad as Hell for so long, was there, a I guess, a frustration that it wasn't you delivering the jokes? It wasn't you on camera? Did, did you like to be writing your own stuff and then performing it as well?
0: Well, it was, I mean, it's an honor to write for Sean and to have him deliver because, you know, he... You know, great delivery. So, I mean, I had no problem at all with that. <laughs> and my own personal style, I think a lot of it did come from... I think of comic ability as um, being inspired most by the two Seans. One is Sean McAuliffe. The other is my year four and five teacher, uh, Sean Hill, back in, in Adelaide at my primary school, St. Teresa's. Mr. Hill. Funny he guy. was very funny. Um, yeah, like, those were my two favorite years of school. This is the Goosebumps era as well. And, mm. yeah, probably those two people had the biggest influence and you know I loved the McAuliffe program and yeah a lot of my kind of mannerisms and stuff were kind of just lifted straight from that sometimes I watch clips and I of myself and I go that's very McAuliffe-esque and sometimes I see that and I go I should probably dial that down a bit because I don't <laughs> want to be completely copying him but yeah like in terms of like if I was ever jealous that I wasn't reading out the lines you know I did read out some of the lines on on Mad As Hell I sometimes they put the writers in as extras or you know a minor character they might have a line here or there i was always terrified when i had to do a line yeah okay <laughs> yeah so uh, i like being on camera i like mm. reading off an auto well that makes it a hell of a lot easier yeah i yeah. can
1: imagine um i mean i guess you're you, you know you're coming up to the point where through sheer hours of content consumed you are sort of Intentionally or not becoming a an expert on you know advertisements in Australia within a certain time range. Have you noticed that <laughs> there's any trends that you've noticed in those ads in that time period that haven't carried on to the present? You know are there types of ads or is the tone different? Are there things that they did back then that you wouldn't see on commercial television ads today?
0: Yeah, well, I guess I become you do anything long enough, you end up being an expert by default. There's something I've seen a, this a couple of times. Well, it's hard to answer that because I don't really watch much commercial TV now. So I don't really have a basis of comparison of what they think is appropriate now, just because I don't really watch it. But something that comes to mind, I've seen this twice in two different ads. They did this premise where the ad started with it looked like a man was about to commit suicide by jumping off a building. Yeah. One of them was jumping, jumping off a building and the other one was jumping off a bridge. And then the bridge one was uh, it was an ad for margarine I've used this in a in an episode of um, VHS review and um, it's from about 2002 it's for a flora probiotic margarine, which I started using recently because it lowers cholesterol so this guy's it, it looks like he's saying I'm my father died young I wasn't gonna wait around and let the same thing happen to me and then he jumps but he's like actually bungee jumping and he's like oh David I to David to talk
1: about as you just mentioned, childhood memory unlocked i can remember that ad and i haven't seen it since it was on tv but i remember that exact ad yes and then he, he's bungee jumping off and it's a margarine ad i do remember that yeah there you go you could have also watched it you know, on vhs
0: was maybe episode 33 so yeah using suicide as a jumping off point pardon the pun but then <laughs> there was there was another ad i i haven't used it in in an episode but i think i have put it in my notes as that's a uh, Possible. So what I do is I, when I go through, I sort of go review tapes and I kind of make a few notes And it. If a tape has maybe four good ads in it, that's enough. I can get yep. an episode out of that. I think maybe this particular tape only had one or two things on it, so I haven't turned it into an episode yet. But there was yeah this other ad that started with a guy on top of a building. I think it's for Mitsubishi. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, it's like, oh, I can't take it anymore. It's implying that he's going to jump off the building to kill himself. And then it sort of zooms out and it reveals that it's a big celebration sale for the car business or something it was like this is stupid and i i don't think you could do that but then again that probably can there's, well that's this, it yeah uh,
1: i don't really watch i don't yeah. watch any tv anymore so i'm not sure
0: what the comparisons are there's this great resource that i use the ad standards bureau you can go to their website you can search ads they've got all the reports from 1998 of every ad every television commercial and possibly every like billboard and every kind of piece of advertising that's had official complaints made and you can read the reports you can read excerpts from the complaints and you can see what the outcome was and i've got a segment doing this a couple of times in some upcoming episodes a segment called get this shit off the air
1: <laughs> that referencing that, that i believe has, a certain has a channel nine chairman would that be correct
0: yes absolutely yep done a done a parody of the graphics for naughtiest home videos <laughs> so i go through the report and then um reveal whether or not it was the ad was dismissed whether complaint was dismissed or whether, whether it was upheld and since since I found this I've kind of like ads that I'd already featured in previous episodes ones that I thought oh no, surely, surely that had a complaint against it because you know someone was being did a racist joke or something like that and yeah sure enough everyone that's ever been people have complained about they're all there it was, goes back to 1998, though. I wish I
1: wish it went back further. Yeah, I was watching one of yours earlier today, one of your earlier VHS reviews. It was ad for, I think, Clio Magazine, and the art, the article they were promoting was, like, all about the penis or something. It's got literally, like, yeah. a woman, like, inspecting naked men. That was one of those things I'm like, okay, what's the joke? You know, what's it actually going to be about? You know, they're going to be holding, like, you know, a, a breakfast cereal or something in front of them. That's going to be the big joke. Ha-ha. And it's like, the penis. I'm like, oh, okay, so it is. It is. It is. It is about dicks yeah which i mean again i uh... well, that that's something like nudity in ads yeah in the 90s there were butts and like
0: i found some late night ads for those like phone sex lines yeah actually have breasts visible like on tv i, I do not think you can do that now that yeah. cleo one that's that's from 1995 i was i'm like surely there were complaints about that but yeah i can't find the reports but like no, yeah, no, you. Way. Know, you feel, not I, I feel like complaint. you
1: couldn't, which I think is I think is a, a joke you make in that particular episode. But you know, moral standards falling on TV in that time, yeah. you know, apparently it was it was a lot looser back in the day. And I do just love the uh, the variety that you've got on there because you do get like clearly like international ads that aired presumably exactly as they are in like the United States or something for major brands, and then you get like. Some of the regional, particularly with like the South Australian ones, like the ones that are relevant to like very, very few people and the sheer variety and quality. Yeah,
0: we got, uh, there's a lot of Adelaide episodes because, you know, that's where all my tapes come from. Probably about a third of the episodes are actually stuff I tape myself. But then there's also a few Melbourne ones. There's There's some, in the upcoming ones, I got some Sydney tapes. Dan Illick gave me some from his uncle. So it's stuff from the 80s. And uh, some wind television, there's like some regional stuff from a station called Central Central television.
1: I guess it wouldn't be that differentiation anymore. I, you know, it would be, you know, put it on the account's Instagram or Twitter page and it's just, it's just the same for everybody. There wouldn't be this sort of regional differences between or region-specific ads. Oh, no, ads. no,
0: no. You know, you go to Adelaide, you'll see ads on TV for local Adelaide businesses and the same in the country.
1: Oh, okay. Local That's still the case. Good yeah. on them. Carrying on the, the torch. Not going to run out of any tapes anytime soon? Well,
0: I just uploaded episode 36 possibly yep. 37 by the time you release this i've got episodes up to 50 already recorded and i just need to edit them so that's 50 and i've still got more in queue and then yeah i'd like to get some stuff like i haven't even looked at western australia queensland mm. tasmania and there's international ads as well I, you know i could get some tapes from from overseas and yeah there's no shortage of, of material i can just keep doing it it's just uh i need to get more people donating money so i can uh convince my wife that i'm not spending too much time on, on this for, well uh, if no
1: where where can we find vhs review and where can we uh support this project of yours david
0: the main channel is youtube yep. you can watch the full episodes there they go for 10 15 minutes there's the shorter clips that i put on instagram tiktok twitter facebook uh and then there's a patreon page so um if you're not familiar with patreon you can make a like a regular donation like once a month so I've got the, the lowest tier is $1 or $2. I can't remember. And uh, it unlocks some special posts that are just for Patreon supporters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got some behind the scenes and sort of retrospective stuff that I've done. Um, and there's there's going to be more of that going forward as well. If You don't want to uh, sign up to do it regularly. I have a PayPal donate button on my website, davidmgreen.com. You can click there and it all goes towards just keeping the keeping lights on. Yes, keeping the lights on and uh, the laptop charge.
1: I think it's a great idea. I'm sure there's got to be some listeners to this show who appreciate, I guess, uh, it's a podcast dedicated to reviewing a book series that hit its peak in 1996 like there's obviously some people who appreciate the value of things that maybe um are at risk of being overlooked such as television commercials from you know regional Adelaide or or wherever I think it's a great initiative look forward to to new episodes of VHS review there's a few on YouTube quite a few on YouTube for you to to go through and enjoy And uh, as we said, David's on Patreon as well. $2 a month. I think you can chuck that his way. Um, it's It's a good project. I think it's worth that much. David, any final words before we finish up the podcast?
0: Just thank you for uh, having me on. This has been a really good chat. I really like talking about the Goosebumps books. I mean, that's, uh, you know, I kept them for a reason. Probably going to give if them you... to my son, I think, when he is old enough to read them.
1: Well, uh, ensure, scare, yeah, ensure that the, 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 to... the, the tradition lives on in the next generation. As you said, plenty of tapes to go through, plenty more VHS adventures to come. That's VHS review from David M. Green. David, thank you so much for joining me on this cold Melbourne evening, and uh, you enjoy those tapes. Cheers, Alex.